welcome. You've got mail. Hey there, everyone. The holiday season rolls on, and this is another edition of TechStream. I'm Seth Everett. He is the CEO of the Palmer Group, Shelly Palmer. And Shelly, the semesters are coming to an end. College football has come to an end. We're getting ready for the bowl games. Uh, yes, we can take your bets for the Sarsaparilla Bowl. Nonetheless, a crazy time in our country. They had the 122nd annual Army-Navy game. Yeah, that's and, amazing. And Shelly, I, I will tell you, for the first time, I went. I went. To, I covered a game. And, and was it was it at amazing? the Meadowlands. Should have been great, at, right? Yeah, well, it was at the Meadowlands for the 20th anniversary of 9-11, which, you know, if you think military, that's that's an immediate benchmark. Um, it was so cool. And Shelly, I want to tell you, for my Sports with Friends podcast, we interviewed not only two of the announcers from the game. Mm-hmm. It doesn't matter. Navy won. It, 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 you'll sleep at night. You didn't need to know that. The, the point was you saw the march of the soldiers. Yeah. You saw all the soldiers in their in their sections. You saw all the veterans and how touched people were. Lee Greenwood performed uh, Proud to be an American at wow. halftime. Amazing. And 85,000 people were singing with him. Fantastic. Listen, we are so divided in everything we do. Could this be like the only unifying thing we see? Oh, you know, look, Seth, we're divided. Everybody says we're more divided now than we've been in ever i think that's not true you know it isn't true the country's been divided many times over the years the war between the states was a pretty significant divide but things are really tense between everybody and i've had the the privilege of working with the pentagon pro bono over the years and i have befriended quite a few soldiers uh, men and women in uniform who are without doubt, and this is not hyperbole, nor is it exaggeration, some of the finest people I've met in my life, the dedication, whatever the politics are, we think we're arguing about, these people are risking their lives to provide a blanket of protection that we all enjoy. And more importantly, they're doing it with a sense of dedication that until you meet someone in the military, you just don't understand. So I, I, yes, I, I'm, it was, so I'm sorry, I actually missed it. I would have loved to have been there in person, but I'm glad you were. Um, when you say you covered the game, what did you do? So I went to record something for Sports with Friends. They also had a media day uh, on Friday, and they had the most unique locations, the Intrepid Air and Space Museum. Love um, that. I had never been. I had these are two things I had never done and never thought in my life like, oh, I'm, I, I need to. The, I, my bucket list doesn't include these things, but the the idea, I walked onto it and I was immediately taken aback. Um, there are tours going on while this has happened, but they took the mess hall of the Intrepid uh-huh. and they put a bunch of tables and a bunch of radio stations were broadcasting live. And what I did was I went with my you know, portable stuff and I recorded uh, some podcasts. If you're listening to TechStream on the day it's released, Sports with Friends comes out tomorrow. If you can find TechStream, you can find Sports with Friends. It was literally on this, this aircraft. Had you been to the Intrepid? Many and times. It, it, it's really something you got to see to believe. It's very hard to verbalize just how impressive all that memorabilia is. 
Yeah, it, it look, I, I have a kind of a, a, a strange story about that. The Intrepid, for those of you who don't know, is the USS Intrepid. It is permanently berthed on the west side of Manhattan, and it's become an air and space museum. Really wonderful. It, it's just, it is, in fact, packed with all kinds of memorabilia. You get to understand what it was like to be on an aircraft carrier. The one of the first times I went, my now 32 year old son was maybe four or five years old. And, you know, kids love things with nooks and crannies and stuff you can climb on. Mm -hmm. And my son climbs up into the seats like a bicycle seat of one of the anti-aircraft guns. <laughs> and it's looking through awesome. the sights straight up. There's this sort of uh, oversized sight on these anti-aircraft guns. And there's a kind of a big red indicator with a monster uh, sort of what looks like a reticle and you line it up and you grab the, and he couldn't reach the, the firing mechanism. He could barely get his little butt in the seat. And my wife says, this wants me to take a picture. And I go to take a picture. And when we get home, you know, we're going through the pictures. Uh, I don't know, a few days later, she goes, Oh my God. He's on a no, yeah. She like she likes to completely full lift out. <laughs> you know, there I am, proudly on an air and the aircraft gun. It's like, yeah, yeah. But you know what? It's such a wonderful, wonderful experience. If you ever get a chance to do it, it it's it really it, it. You know what it also does? It brings a deep understanding to what it was like when you had to serve, right? Had to, because there were dangers that were physical dangers that. You know, today it's cybersecurity and it's hard to see the enemy and there's propaganda and the weaponized social media. Then there were things with guns and yeah. bombs. And these very, very brave men and women went out there to protect us on that vessel. It's kind of an impressive place to be. And it, the, I don't know, you, you should go there with great respect. And next time you see a veteran or someone wants to tell you a story, if they're willing to talk about it, sit down and have a listen. You'll learn something that you didn't know about teamwork and camaraderie and uh, patriotism. I, uh, I had a uh, Larry David Curb Your Enthusiasm moment when I was waiting to uh, go through security to get into the, uh, the building. Mm -hmm. uh, three soldiers came up to me and they were friendly. I, I mean, <laughs> I'll, I'll laugh. I was wearing a Syracuse jacket. So they were like, oh, Syracuse. I, you know, I, I grew up near there. You're like, you know, they wanted to engage with me. And I just said, you know, first of all, thank you all for your service. I said, but do I have to get in the back of the line? <laughs> I yeah. felt like. Funny. That's so funny. Well, I'm glad you did that, Seth. And I, I, I'm, I'm very, very proud of you, man. That's, that's an awesome thing cool. to cover. I'm glad you did it. And everybody you should listen to sports with friends it's yeah, listen to this this episode it's it, it's it's very very cool um meanwhile you mentioned that nowadays the warfare is cyber oh yeah. everything is cyber and cyber criminals are everywhere um if you read the shelly palmer newsletter or <laughs> follow his social media it has been like an episode of csi uh start from the beginning I, I'm not putting any words in your mouth, but okay. Wow. Yeah. You know, I, um, so 
<laughs> on December so what 5th, happened was yeah so December 5th I wake up on Sunday morning it's like hi world you know it's Sunday morning and I do my Sunday morning routine and I get my phone beeps and I look at my phone and it shows a transaction in my MetaMask wallet has just been confirmed and roughly $400 US of ETH which is the currency of Ethereum, Ethereum Ether right. is missing from my MetaMask wallet. Basically the wallet is drained. Now, MetaMask, for those of you who don't know, is a cryptocurrency wallet or a digital wallet. And it comes in a couple of flavors. The flavor that I had running is a Chrome extension version of MetaMask. So the ETH wasn't really in the wallet. The keys that unlock the ETH on the blockchain were in the wallet. So it, it's not like I had a, it's a, not like a physical wallet you'd lose on the street with $400 in it. But it's similar to that in that if you had the keys that were inside the wallet, you could go and make a transfer on the blockchain. And that is exactly what the hacker did. Somehow, some way. <clears throat> A, a hacker who is known to me, and you can go to ShellyPalmer.com and you can find the blog post. It's called, very cleverly, my MetaMask ETH wallet was hacked and it's December 5th is the date. Yeah, so I know, I know exactly where this ETH was transferred to because uh, it's written on the blockchain. It's written on the Ethereum mainnet. That's how I was notified of it. There's no notification there's no indication that this was done from my computer so in my metamask there's absolutely no way to tell that a transaction has occurred but if you go on ethereum uh on etherscan to the Exper ethereum explorer you can go see the actual transaction and you see the wallet it was transferred to so the money's gone i know where it is but i don't know who owns that wallet and there's nothing i can do to get it back so the question is how did they get into my wallet because I have a lot of crypto in hardware wallets and I have a rule, Seth, and this is a rule that everyone listening, again, this is not financial advice. I don't give financial advice. I'm not a licensed financial advice professional. If you want financial advice, go find someone who does that. This is just life lessons from someone who just got hacked by a very nasty hacker. There are two kinds of wallets you can have in the world, wallets that are online and exposed online, sometimes referred to as hot wallets, and wallets that are offline, sometimes referred to as cold wallets. Now, I keep most of my cryptocurrency and digital assets of all kinds in offline wallets that cannot be gotten to. They're, hard, they're hardware wallets from companies like Ledger and Grid Lattice and Trezor. These are are the main names in hardware wallets. Um, quick aside, before we go any deeper, if you decide to get a hardware wallet, which I heartily recommend, not financial advice, just good advice, make sure you buy that wallet directly from the manufacturer's website. Go to Ledger, go Don't to- get Trezor. it from a secondhand player. Don't know Etsy, no, no uh, none eBay. Of that. Nope, not eBay, not Amazon, nowhere. Not a trusted retailer, not a trusted friend. Don't buy a used one. Pony up, go to Grid Lattice, go to, I think it's gridplus.io or, or Trezor or, or uh, Ledger and buy the hardware wallet directly. If it does, if the seal is broken when you get it, if the holographic seal is broken, return it. Do, do not mess with a second hand or buy a wallet from a place that is not the manufacturer. That's thing one, because basically they're jump drives. And if someone tampers with it, it's the same as that. You're begging someone to hack you. Now, um, this particular wallet is a chrome extension wallet and i know it's a hot wallet and so seth my rule 
from day one because of what I know about cryptocurrency is I never keep over $400 in a hot wallet ever. If you put money in an exchange, when I put money in an exchange, I put the money in the exchange in order to do the transaction I'm trying to do. And then I take it off and put it in a, hot, uh, in a hardware wallet immediately. I only leave money on exchanges that I am going to actively trade with. And I only uh, ever go into any kind of cryptocurrency experience where I'm going to do business with intent to do that business and then put all of the proceeds of the business one way or the other into a hardware wallet. But, but I do keep up to $400 in in ETH and a few dollars in Matic, which is the, the currency of the Polygon blockchain in a hot wallet attached to my browser so that I can do things like buy an NFT, get some game tokens. Right. Whatever I mean, you need, whatever, whatever you need yeah, that accepts I wanna, crypto, you have it. it yeah, it's, it's like, right there. I want to buy like a having spending money. Yeah, it's it literally, it's like having spending money. Oh, I want to buy that, you know, the, that NFT with a game piece inside of Decentraland or I want to, whatever I want to do, but I never keep more than $400 in the hot wallet. Well, of course it was gone. Um, <clears throat> so we know who took it. We know where, well, we don't know who the person is. We know what wallet took it. We know where it lives. Now here's the funny part. And Everyone needs to know this. The first thing I did, let's just go through the forensics. The first thing I did was reach out to MetaMask support. And MetaMask support, which is a real thing, sends you back an email immediately and says, we're really busy. We're not going to be able to even look at this today. But within seven days, a human being will respond to you. That's nice. It doesn't help you much because within seven days, whatever's going on is going to be so far gone. There's nothing you can do. There's nothing you do anyway, but they tell you they're not going to look at your stuff. Then just for fun, you know, I've got a few social media followers on Twitter. I got a few on LinkedIn. I got a few social media followers everywhere, right? So I, I did a social media post, something to the effect of, so this low life, and I put the uh, address of the wallet, just hacked into my MetaMask wallet, stole 400 bucks with this transaction. I put the transaction number and I have no idea how. Thoughts? And I, I did an at MetaMask and at MetaMask support. Within a nanosecond, way too quickly for a human being to have seen this. And this is important. I got five or six instant tweets responding mm -hmm. from at Ali 255 and at Carl's Darwish and at Julia Ford Trump and at MetaMask instant support, like all these people, which are not people, they're bots saying, hey, fill out this form. And where's the form? It's a Google form. And you get down the Google form and what does it ask for? All your information. Address, serial number, and then the most important thing that they would ever need, which is the seed phrase. Now, when you set up a hardware wallet, you are given, you don't create, you are given either a 12 or 24 word seed phrase. With that seed phrase, anyone can rebuild your wallet. So there's two things you need to know. First of all- Those seed phrases, by the way, people put those in their wills. Yes. So I know no one got my seed phrase. Oh, well, stay where we are. Obviously, I reported those tweets as phishing and and blocked the people and, you know, all that stuff. But yeah. this has been going on now for the whole week, every and I try to go in there and just report every one. The bots are virulent. These are blood sucking hackers and scammers trying to even hack you and scam you more. Right. Because if you put your seed phrase in, they can rebuild your wallet. If you give them a password, it's like, 
no legitimate customer support is ever going to ask for your seed phrase. No legitimate customer report supports ever going to ask for your password ever, ever, ever. So whenever you see that, just delete it, report it, no matter how convincing it seems, no matter how legit it looks. And, you know, a Google form is not legit. So it was very obvious it was not MetaMask support. They wouldn't be using Google forms. They've made enough money where they don't need to do that. What's kind of important <clears throat> here is that um, anytime, anytime you get a seed phrase for a wallet, you have two choices. You can highlight it with your cursor and control C or command C it to copy it and control V or command V to paste it somewhere like a document and then print it out and then you know never save it. And as long as you don't have any malware on your computer that would be doing things like looking at your clipboard, you're in good shape. But on the other hand, the better thing to do is to write it down on a piece of paper, never copy it, never paste it, never do anything with it other than write it on a piece of paper and put that piece of paper in a desk drawer in an envelope that you know what it is and maybe the people who need to know what it is in your home know what it is, but nobody else does. Because from that seed phrase will come the ability to rebuild the wallet. So you wanna be really careful with your seed phrases, never share them. The other thing you never ever ever want to share no matter what is the private key to your wallet now this concept of private key and public key is very confusing to people the public key is what shows to the outside world your private key is required combined with the public key in order to get a transaction to happen if someone has your private key they literally have your wallet seed phrase notwithstanding so look Two things you want to keep super secret, no matter what your seed phrase and or phrases, the collection of seed phrases, whether there's 12 or 24, you really want to write them by hand, keep them offline and just keep them away from your computer. And you never, ever, ever want to share your private key with anyone, no matter what you don't need it to do a transaction. You need it uh, to be safe and sound, and it needs to be yours, yours only yours. Now, the other thing I did was I went to a, a site called Reclaim Crypto. That's a service of a company called CoinFirm. And what they do is they will take your report and they'll just send you an email that allows you to fill in a report. They don't ask for your seed phrase. They don't ask for your private key. They don't ask for your password. They ask you what happened and they ask you for the transaction numbers and the wallet numbers. And what they do is they send this list to all of the exchanges that subscribe to their service and let the exchanges know that there is a tainted wallet and a tainted transaction. This is good. It's not going to help you get your money back, but it is going to make it harder for the hacker to spend those funds or transfer those funds in any legitimate exchange. Certainly in some decentralized exchange where nobody has a KYC, know your customer, they'll be able to relatively easily divest themselves of your currency and that's it. And by the way, there's no way to get this money back. So let, let's be clear. There is no way to get it back. The last thing I did was try to figure out what exactly happened. Like, how did I get screwed? What did I do wrong? I'm, like Seth, to be fair, the first thing I thought is that I made a mistake, right? I mean, you got to assume there's like, no one's cracking my password, like I, for 400 bucks, like nobody's sitting there trying to figure out. And I got a pretty cryptic password. So I don't think that was done. So my, my initial reaction was I made a mistake. And 
I went looking for where that was. And I went to another site called Token Allowance Checker. And Token Allowance Checker, what I assumed I did, and still assume I did, by the way, because we've gone super deep uh, here, and I'll explain what we've done in a minute. But Token Allowance Checker goes and looks who you've allowed to uh, use your wallet for sign-in. And in some Web3 sites that are... Uh, filled with bad actors or, a, and I was doing a lot of research the previous week. So my uh, suspicion, my personal suspicion is that I made a mistake and I signed into a site and I either gave it too much permission to the wallet or the site took permission without me understanding what was happening when I signed in with my wallet. Because one of the cool things you can do with a MetaMask wallet or any browser extension wallet is when you go to a Decentraland or when you go to a Web3 site that asks you to log in, you can log in with the wallet instead of using a password. It just knows it's you. So I'm assuming I made that mistake, but we can't find it. Then what happened is, you know, Seth, sometimes it's fun to be me. I mean, this wasn't a good time because I got nailed, but you know, I have a lot of friends in the world. Uh, one of my dear friends uh, from uh, called up and said, hey, I'm working at Consensus. That's the people at MetaMask. Would, would you want to talk to someone, you know, high up the food chain at MetaMask? I'm like, well, you know, I, I sent him my note. I, yeah, I'd love to actually talk to a person. Jacob Cantell is the head of operations for MetaMask. And I spent an hour and a half on the phone. What a wonderful guy. And we walked through, I mean, forensically walked through my entire browser history. We looked at every site, Web3 site that I visited. We couldn't figure out together what it was. He gave me some very good insights, some of which I've given to you here about what I might have done wrong. Then uh, my brother Jason is a cybersecurity expert, and he does cybersecurity audits and all kinds of stuff. And so we have a bunch of engineers that you know, we retain, that his company retains and my company retains to do forensic work on good old fashioned cybersecurity hacking. You know, like when you get normally hacked, which happens all the time, you know, someone does a DDoS attack or something else. Well, <clears throat> we tore up my computer, Seth. We went, looked at the key logging, you know, is there key logging malware? Is there clipboard malware? Are there Chrome extensions that were vulnerable? What was the attack vector this hacker used? No one can figure it out. The computer looks clean. Here's the where we are today. As of today, I'm going to take this wallet and I have some ether that I mine from ethermine.org. I'm in a mining pool. I use it to show my clients what it is to mine Ethereum on the Ethereum mainnet. So to mine ETH. And there's roughly $92, $95 worth of ETH that was mined to this wallet that's been compromised. If I was hacked by a bot, when I go to transfer that 90 bucks worth of ETH into it, the bot will get it before I can take it out. If I was targeted by a person, I might be able to beat that person and get my $90. Otherwise, that $90 is burned too because it's, it's, it's only going to be distributed to the wallet that mined it. So... They either stole, they stole 400, but they might have killed 500 <laughs> if, if I can't get it done, or they might steal this other $90. It's hard to know. So that's where we are. This is a dangerous place. And I think everybody should understand this is really dangerous and you need to know what you're doing. I know what I'm doing. I got nailed. I feel a little stupid, not because I did something um, wrong, 
uh, people make mistakes all the time and I should, I, I'm never sad about making mistakes. God, I, I screw up, you know, five times a day or I'm not doing my job, but the, I feel really vulnerable because I don't understand. And none of my friends understand. And even the people at MetaMask don't understand how this was done. And that makes me, you know, you go to sleep at night going, well, can I trust my anything? The last bit of advice I'll give everybody, and this is advice uh, that's not financial advice, it's just technical advice. You can use MetaMask and instead of doing what I was doing, which is have the browser extension wallet store the keys, you can use MetaMask. And in fact, it's MetaMask's goal. You can use MetaMask as a gateway to your hardware wallet. And that would have prevented this completely because they would not have been able to get to any of it. Uh, if it was sitting offline, it, they, they could have hacked the MetaMask, but they could never have hacked, they couldn't have gotten the coins. And so they couldn't have gotten the currency. So if you're going to use MetaMask and you're going to keep more than $400 in it, which I don't recommend, and you're going to use it for online stuff, you actually can take either a Trezor or a Ledger or a Grid Lattice wallet, the hardware wallets, and you can use MetaMask as a gateway to those wallets, which would require you to do the confirmation yourself in order for any transaction to occur. No matter, you have to physically do the confirmation. Uh, so you would know that the, the currency was moving from one wallet to the other because it couldn't move unless you put in your passcodes to make it work into the hardware wallet. That's just a little bit of information that they gave me at MetaMask that makes me feel very comfortable about using MetaMask and not so comfortable about using the browser extension version where I was keeping my keys in, in that browser extension wallet. So a little bit of, it may be a little technical. I've outlined all of this at ShellyPalmer.com. Um, we, there's a, a thing, shellypalmer.com slash blockchain, which will get you to our blockchain resources page where we keep all the resources. You may think that I'm discouraged or sad about this. I'm not discouraged. I'm not sad. I am feeling a little vulnerable and a little stupid, but that that's only making me want to understand this more and more and more. Like I'm, I'm encouraged by the quest for knowledge. I'm discouraged by the lack of knowledge, but that's not deterring me and it shouldn't scare anybody. Just go forth with caution and understand this is a, uh, a really dangerous place. The last thing I'll say, Seth, and, and this is kind of important. If this happened to your JP Morgan Chase account or your Citibank account or any other bank in the United States, and it was under $100,000, the Federal Deposit Insurance Corporation, FDIC, would insure it. Yep. The bank would keep you, would make you whole. If somebody took it, they'd know where it was. You have the rule of law. You have, uh, there's a court of law if it's over a certain amount. The police over a certain amount would consider it a felony. And, and you would have all kinds of remedies, but you wouldn't even have the loss because the bank would cover you. Then the government would cover you. Everyone would cover you. Here, you are your own banker, which gives you a certain amount of freedom. There are no rules, which gives you a certain amount of freedom. You're in the world of decentralized finance. There's no one to go see. You are also the security guard. You are also the treasurer. You're also the keeper of the safe and the keeper of keys. You're everything in your crypto world. And while that gives you an incredible amount of freedom, it also exposes you to a dramatic amount of risk that nobody who is banked in the United States and likely to buy crypto has ever needed to do before. You've never had this level of responsibility for your own funds. If you've ever put your money in the bank, the bank has protected it. They took custody of your money. Here, you have custody of your money. It is literally like putting it under the mattress, except there are people who can reach their hands into the mattress while you're sleeping through the walls. 
And you just have to keep that metaphor in your head. Understand you are the chief cook and bottle washer of your domain. And if you are unwilling to take that responsibility, this is risky business. What would you say to a person who says, well, if this could happen to Shelly Palmer, what chance do I have? Well, there are only two kinds of people in the world, Seth, people who have been hacked and people who do not know they have been hacked. There are only two <laughs> kinds of companies, people, companies that have been hacked and companies that do not know they've been hacked. You are going to get hacked. What I do is what I said I did, and it worked. And I want everyone to understand it worked. You cannot protect yourself from hackers. You can't, no matter what kind of hacking it is, whether it's your regular computer, whether it's, you just can't. At some point, you are going to get hacked. Someone is going to break into your physical home. Someone's going to break into your computer. Someone is going to hack your crypto. What everyone needs to do is follow the following security protocol. You've seen every James Bond movie. You've seen every spy movie, right? You know there are four levels of documents. There's documents everyone can read. There's confidential, which is sort of like, hey, please don't share this. There's secret, which means, yeah, this needs a little bit of level. Maybe it's executive evidence only. And then there's top secret, which is you know, the stuff that you just don't ever want to see distributed. So you can't protect everything, but you can protect a lot of things. So in a vulnerable wallet, I had a limit, no more than $400 in an online or hot wallet. Because I, that was a level of risk I was willing to assume, I already assumed that money could be gone any given day. And when it was, although it was a big learning experience and the vulnerability makes me feel, you know, sad and, and, and a little bit vulnerable and a little bit stupid. I was prepared for the loss and I was always willing to take that risk. The stuff I need to have top secret, you can't get to. It's in hardware wallets. It's in cold storage. It's completely offline. The biggest of the keys are handwritten and cannot be found. They're not on premises. not in my home. So it's and I've, it's because I'm holding that crypto for the long haul. I have no need for it to ever, ever, ever be online. It just those keys can sit offline forever. And at some point when someone decides to sell that crypto, they will sell it. They will have the ability to do it. But there's no version of the world where you can get to those keys. So I have in my own life and you should too, both in my normal computer, computer stuff, my, my, the world of my normal computer science and the world of my cryptocurrency and decentralized finance. There's normal stuff, there's confidential, there's secret, and there's top secret. And those are the levels of defense I have around them. So for example, if you've got very sensitive financial information, then you should encrypt it using Microsoft encryption tools or Mac encryption tools. And you should you have a password, protect the file. If it's really important, it should be on paper in a file drawer. And if it's super, super important and, and has to be a file, you can buy a hardware jump drive that has a physical combination lock on it that will work across platforms. If you do it on a jump drive, you can encrypt the jump drive, but it will only work on a Windows computer or it'll only work on a Mac computer. But if you buy one of the hardware drives, um, there's actually an article at ShellyPalmer.com uh, Shelly call, uh, called Encrypting Your Crypto. And it explains how you would encrypt files and how you keep your stuff safe, just at levels. And it talks about being secret and, and top secret and, and being confidential and what that means. So yes, it can happen to me. It's going to happen to me again. It is, but I have levels of protection and levels of loss I'm willing to take. And I would argue that you cannot protect yourself from bad actors with intent. You can only 
protect yourself the way that people who have glass doors and glass windows live inside of a community with the rule of law and don't expect their windows to be broken and bad people to home invade. So it's not that it never happens. It's that it's unlikely to happen. But if you protect yourself by really securing the things that are very important and securing with less vigor the things that you're willing to lose or risk, that's the best you can ever do. You can't protect it all. So protect the stuff that's really important. You, you, you heard it here first. Well, you did. And I knew that this was going to be something that, you know, raises is just as many questions as it does answers. You don't have all the answers, but you know that this is going to be something that we we talk about it. Look, I'm glad it wasn't a massive, massive loss, um, but it's significant enough that it's it, it, it's worth discussing. And I just hope that as this continues, you know, it's a very, very fine line because you want to keep the deregulation but yet you want some kind of structure. And I, I, I don't know, you know, in the wild, wild west, this kind of thing happened all the time. The difference was it was when you were sleeping, they went into the saloon, they took all the cash. So it, it's like, that's, that's in essence, uh, what took place. Uh, yeah. If you've been hacked, let Shelly know at Shelly Palmer on Twitter. Uh, and if you haven't been hacked and you just kind of shrug your shoulders at the whole thing, well, that's at Seth underscore Everett on Twitter. <laughs> we'll do this uh, text stream thing every Tuesday. Make sure you download and subscribe. We will talk to you soon.